Welcome to the Learning Unlocked podcast, presented by Open Sesame. Taking a deep dive into the global world of learning and development with practical tips and tricks, along with insights from leading brands and the people that make them work. This is Learning Unlocked. Now, here's your host, Brian Berger. My guest is Tamar Elkalis. She is a PhD. She's an experienced chief learning officer, chief human resources officer, thought leader in the talent learning organization development and human capital field. She's the author of the new book, Forward Focused Learning Inside Award-Winning Organizations. That's available at amazon.com and at bookstores everywhere. Tamar, thanks for joining us on the Learning Unlock podcast. How are you? Thanks so much, Brian. appreciate you having me here today. So if I'm someone listening to this conversation right now and I'm responsible for creating and implementing the overall learning and development strategy for the company I work for, what are the steps I should be taking? It's interesting because I really do believe that the chief learning officer, the learning and development professional's role has changed over the past couple of years. The biggest impact for us is to be solving business problems. And so as I think about the strategy and what it is that we should be doing as learning and development experts is we should really be trying to figure out what is the problem that you're trying to solve for your business. We are business people first and we are learning people second. And it's important to always understand that we need to make sure that we are aligning any of the strategy that we create specifically with the business strategy. So the first thing is, what is the problem that you're trying to solve? The second is trying to figure out how are you going to define success, right? What is it that your purpose is really all about? So as you think about your strategy, are you there to increase sales for your organization? Are you there to increase revenue? Is it about increasing profit? Are you about employee retention and engagement? What are the specific levers and outcomes that you're trying to achieve? And that's how you set your strategy. The next piece I think is really important for people is figuring out what kind of resources you're going to need. And oftentimes, learning and development professionals don't always have the the right mindset around looking inside their organization for for resources. A lot of times, it's within our organization. It exists, right? You can find people who are willing to help you. You can find money within parts of the organization. You can find technology. You can find, quote-unquote, trainers. We really need to learn to be scrappy. And then the last piece that I would say that's really important in creating the strategy is Engaging with the business leaders around how you can have impact for them. And if you're aligned with that business, your strategy is going to go really far. I love that advice. So you hold both an MS and a PhD in organizational psychology. How has that helped you in your role as chief human resources officer? Find the right people to plug into the right positions within the company because that's not an easy task. Yeah, it's really not. I mean, what I've learned through my academic education is really around being very data-driven and learning how to find the answer. And as I look at that, I look at folks that in my organization and in other organizations are all about trying to take initiative within their companies and, again, solving problems. Look, I've studied human behavior longer than many people in my organization have actually ever been alive. (laughs) Uh, So I have a lot of experience with this. Um, And people are our largest variable in organizations. It's really important to pick the right players, and it's really important to put them in the right places. And what sets people apart is not necessarily the skills that they have, 
but it's more about their willingness to learn and their willingness to have a great attitude to be able to make a difference in your organization. That can-do attitude and that doing whatever it takes really does make a big difference. You know, I say there are really two things that make a successful company. One is leadership and the other is execution. Don't ever underestimate the power of great leadership. So when you just mentioned some of the traits, but when you're looking to identify people to promote within the organization you're working for, obviously there's hard work, there's initiative. What else goes into it? How do those people, if you're listening to this right now and you want to stand out to your boss, how do you do that? Yeah, I think a couple of things. I mean, collaboration is critical. Um, And what we've learned throughout this past year, unfortunately, is that we've got to find new ways to collaborate. So people that can collaborate are really going to stand out. People who are good influencers and people who can really work with a team. Um, You don't have to be called a manager or a leader in order to have those leadership skills. You need to be able to step up, influence others, be part of that team, lead projects, lead different initiatives in your organization, and really find opportunities to collaborate and and, and exemplify amazing teamwork. You mentioned COVID and the pandemic. It's really changed so many things. How is it going to impact education and training going forward? I mean, look, Brian, I don't see that we're going to be going back to what was. You know, people are talking about this, quote unquote, new normal. I don't see that we're going to be going back to big training rooms, uh, lots of people traveling for conferences. I don't see that going back for a while. And I'm not even sure that that's the right model for us going forward. I mean, if we think about what's happened in education, most students today are learning virtually. And they're embracing that, you know, so I don't even think you want to ask me about what it's going to look like. I think we need to go ask, you know, a fifth grader today what it's going to look like, because those students are coming to my organization as interns. They're coming faster than you know it. And they've, they're learning differently. They're working differently. They're collaborating differently. All of that is definitely going to change the way that we work and the way that we learn. You know, this growing up in this virtual environment has showed us that we can be resilient and that we understand disruption and that we're quite agile. You know, a lot of a lot of us, um, as well as our children, have learned to do things differently. And I really do think that we're not going to be going back. We're going to be moving forward. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Diversity, equity, and inclusion continues to be a top priority for businesses everywhere. Open Sesame has created a survey that will give you insight into where your organization stands on diversity. Aside from being educational, this survey is a powerful tool to help you understand areas of improvement and spark conversations about strategies for creating a more inclusive and equitable workplace. After you take the short survey, you'll get access to Open Sesame's DEI Toolkit, an online hub where you can find additional resources. Visit opensesame.com today to start your survey. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. What is the value of face-to-face? Because, you know, this is just an aside, but I think there is a value to -to face-to-face. But like you just mentioned, we've had to learn to work virtually more than ever in the past year. Is there still a value to -to face-to-face? Of course there is. But, you know, the classroom should be reserved for essentially, in my mind, you know, three things. One is interaction with an expert and getting that person's opportunity to learn from them. 
Um, the other is role playing. And the third part is learning from others. So you still have an opportunity to do this quote unquote face to face, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have people in large rooms. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to have people traveling all of the time. We may see this blended slash hybrid approach. Uh, does collaboration look different when you're in person? Of course it does. And you can't read some of the nonverbal cues and all of that. And that is important. But I think we're going to get more focused on trying to selectively understand what we actually need to be in person for versus what we could do in a different format. I mean, look, we're seeing things like immersive learning and a lot of virtual reality. Um, there's a company called Striver that's doing some amazing work in that space where you can really get an understanding of what it looks like to be in a place or in an environment or fix your car or visit the Smithsonian and not ever having to travel to that location. You know, we look at, at companies who are working on online learning opportunities that have been doing this for many, many years. You know, we started out with classroom-based learning, then we moved to online learning, then we moved to mobile learning, and now we're in this world of immersive learning and this virtual reality world. Part of that is going to really change the shape of what face-to-face -face looks like. Amazing. The nature of work has been changing for quite some time, clearly accelerated recently, as we just discussed. What role do you think training and education play and what responsibility do organizations have to reskill the workforce and prepare for the future? I think a lot of jobs and a lot of industries and a lot of companies have been disrupted. And unfortunately, it's put a lot of people out of work and a lot of people questioning what they have in their mind as far as purpose for their future. And I think one of our responsibilities is around creating work purpose. That purpose, why do I want to be here? Why do I want to work for this company? I mean, all of us have been challenged in the last year to do a tremendous amount of reflection. And fortunately or unfortunately, a lot of us have spent a lot of time with our families. <laughs> We've been looking at those <laughs> same people and the same four walls. <laughs> and, and based on that, it's made us all look inwards to try to figure out what do I want to do with my life? You know, we've in some ways, many people have said we've lost this year. And in other ways, we said, look, we've been able to embrace this year and look for new opportunities to re-embrace our families. So based on that, I really feel like our responsibility is around building resilience and ensuring relevance. So how do you do that? Well, I think a couple of things. I mean, I, part of it is embracing the way that we need to work today. So again, not going back to where we were, but showing we can be resilient in times of disruption. AI is one of the things that you and I have talked about and a lot of people have talked about, you know, providing people with relevant experiences and with a level of relevance, I think is really important. So learning that's personalized for you specifically, um, work that's personal to the nature of the work that you want to be doing, making sure again, that you're aligned with your values and what it is that you want to learn and how it is that you want to work. I mean, as I think about us going back to the workplace, not all employees may want to be going back every single day in a nine to five job. People have benefited from not having that commute time. Uh, people have moved out of major metropolitan cities and they may not be going back. So part of it is embracing people where they're at and letting people know that they will be resilient despite change and making sure that we create learning experiences as well as work experience that are relevant for them. 
All right. I want to spend a few minutes talking about your latest book, Forward Focus Learning Inside Award Winning Organizations. How did you decide to write this book and, and take us through that process, if you would? Yeah. So this is a book that we were working on for quite a long time. And I will say it is quite the feat to uh, get a book published during a pandemic. I bet. Uh, it was not that easy. But what what I was really focused on with this book was collecting a lot of amazing stories, experiences, and strategies from some of the world's best chief learning officers, HR officers, and executives in the learning and development and talent space. And I went out and asked these colleagues, and and if you read this book, you know, you'll really get a good cross-section of industries, of different positions, of different experiences. It's very hard to get that as a learning leader who wants to grow and wants to learn from others, really hard to get those diverse perspectives. But in this book, what we were able to do was get a bunch of my colleagues contributing their own strategies for how to build an award-winning organization. And the one thing that everyone had in common, because it's interesting, we had actually started this book calling it How to Build an Award-Winning Learning Organization. And the title changed. And the title changed because what we realized was what everyone had in common after we looked at all of their contribution to this book was they were all forward-focused. Hmm. Every one of these contributors had a strategic look at their organization and they were forward focused with what it is that they were doing in their own businesses. Despite the industry, despite their their work that they were doing specifically, whether it was HR, whether it was learning, whether it was in the talent space, it didn't matter. They were all forward focused and strategic. That's amazing. Uh, How long did it take you to gather all the information? Was it a year, two years? You mentioned that you got this published during the pandemic. How did that work? Yeah, it was at least a year. Uh, and it was a lot of working together to make sure that people had time to write. You know, these are all busy executives who are also dealing with a lot of challenges within their own organizations. But what's really great about the book is it was really relevant because a lot of people were speaking about the current challenges that they were having and the current changes in the workforce. So if you go through the book, what you realize is it's about making sure that you have the right talent on your team. It's about making sure that you're very business aligned. It's about making sure that you're demonstrating the value of the investment that you're making in learning and development. It's about making sure that you have your executive team on board and that you're constantly communicating and working with them to ensure relevance. And, and you know, I go back to the word resilience because I think that's really important. You know, everyone who contributed to this book demonstrated a tremendous amount of resilience, A, to contribute, Um, and to write their chapters, but also to make sure that they were ensuring that their organizations are going to come out the other side in a much better place. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Open Sesame helps companies develop the world's most productive and admired workforces. How? By having the most comprehensive catalog of e-learning courses from the world's top publishers, publishers like TED and Harvard. And having courses that cover learning topics like diversity, equity, and inclusion, leadership development, safety and compliance, and wellness. Try a course for free today by visiting opensesame.com backslash course of the week. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. How many of the organizations that you're working with are completely reimagining what they're doing? You touched on this earlier 
you know, because of the pandemic, we're doing things differently. But are there any organizations you're working with that have said, you know what, we're just tearing down what we did before and we're reimagining everything? A lot of them. I mean, I think in some ways, what holds us back more than anything is our own mindset. You know, and we have over the many years you know, put together programs, we have put together uh, initiatives. And in reality, if we've been doing that same program for the last five to seven years, you know, this management development program or this leadership development program or this technical training program, we need to start over. You know, we've made incremental change over the years, but in many ways, what most of these organizations are doing is saying, no, let's do something radical, right? We need to learn to disrupt ourselves so that we don't get disrupted. And our industries have been disrupted, our companies have been disrupt disrupted, but in reality, what we all need to be doing is taking that lens and saying, how can we disrupt the work that we're doing? And how can we disrupt learning in our own organizations to make sure that it's extremely relevant for the next generation. And if we've been doing it for many years, we got to throw it away and start over, huh. not just iterate the next change. And then I would imagine if there are people resistant to that, then maybe you need to change some of the, the team members. Well, you know, look, I mean, I'm, I'm all about development, right? And so part of it for me is I truly believe that people, you know, can change and want to change. And it's about providing them an environment where they can and providing them with support and reinforcement to do so. So sometimes it's about sharing your vision uh, to make sure that they understand where you want to go. And there's many ways to get there. Um, but a lot of the times it's really about trying to help people move with you and change with you. And I have seen tremendous amount of change that's happened through individuals. Instead of changing them out, I'm about helping them develop. Last question for you. You've worked with countless employees and organizations. What makes employees happy? Leaders. Okay. I will, I, that is my one word. I mean, again, you know, you can never underestimate the value of great leadership. You know, employees don't leave companies. They leave their managers. And we can put in place all kinds of money and we can put in stock options and we can put in amazing benefits programs and we can put in all kinds of toys and free food in our environments and make them as cushy as possible. But the number one reason an employee stays in an organization is because of career growth. And you know who's responsible for their career growth is their manager. And so for me, I really look at the power of leaders is really what helps retain talent. So, so true. Tamar Eccles, the author of the book, Forward Focused Learning Inside Award-Winning Organizations. Find it on Amazon and at bookstores everywhere. Tamar, thanks so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks, Brian. Cheers to learning. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Learning Unlocked, presented by Open Sesame. Download this and every episode on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learning Unlocked is produced by Griggs Productions.